With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. It's Cammy here. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Heart and Hand. If you happen to listen to the shows on the Apple Android or Spotify platforms, could you please give Heart and Hand a follow on there? They may also ask you to write a wee review, and if you could write us a really good one, we would massively appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. This is your extra show for the week. My name is Cammie Bell, I'm your host as always. And it might be a little bit of a kind of bleak time here in Scotland. We're in February already, if you can believe that. However, I have been able to bring you a ray of sunshine today in the form of my guest, Miss Caroline Morrison. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on extra this week. Uh, We've got loads to discuss and there's no one else I would rather talk about it with. Oh, thank you, Cammy. What a welcome. And yeah, I'm delighted to be back on Extra, so thank you for inviting me. Well, Caroline, the reason as to why we're a day late with Extra coming out is because uh, obviously the Scottish window closed yesterday. Um, I'm going to try and avoid phrases like slam shut because, you know, I'm not Simon Halloran from our <laughs> Patreon site. Uh, Simon, if anyone hasn't had a chance to listen, folks, go onto our Patreon site, listen to Simon. We did a live show last night to be able to try and talk a little bit around the transfer window and the dealings and everything else that was going on. If you haven't had a chance, jump back in and watch that. But um, Simon is like a kid at Christmas when it comes to the transfer windows closing. So, Caroline, let's get straight to it because um, reading and hearing and talking to to fans uh, today, I think that the general sentiment um, is moving more towards the disappointment and it's not signing a striker. Um there was obviously across pretty much the entire month, in fact, even I would probably say the minute Danilo injury was was announced, all of the focus on being able to try and sign a striker, potentially Lawrence Shankland, there was just loads of rumour mills going around. Um, we will obviously talk about the signings that have come in this window in just a moment, but looking at looking at it generally, how are you feeling now that it's all been done and dusted? 
Yeah, well, I've discussed this with a couple of people, you know, offline, and I think I'm feeling okay about it now, but I can't hide the fact that I was a little bit disappointed last night when it did, when the realisation hit that we weren't going to sign a kind of surprise additional player over and above Cortez being announced. Um, Because you're right, going into the window opening, everybody was aligned. We all kind of said the same, we need another strike option. That's a kind of non-negotiable um, and in games, we have struggled really to um, to have that quality up front and with injuries especially and with some players not getting off to the, the best flying start, it's tricky. It's been tricky. So the fact that we didn't get a striker taken in, brought in, is disappointing. And I'm not going to lie and pretend that it's not. However, I do think that I do think that I've got a bit more trust in Clement. I think he would have looked at options. I think some would have been out of our price range. I think some maybe wouldn't have felt good value for um, for Clement either. And I'm guessing what happened was nothing could quite fit. Nothing was a good enough option for us in this window. And if that was the case, I have to probably give um, Clement and the board a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and go... You know, we, we did commit to spending money. We did have an outlay and a commitment in this window um, and we chose to spend it in a very particular way. I think there would have been options for us to use that money elsewhere, but this was deemed to be the best way of using what money was available. So, yeah, and I agree. I don't want to see us panic by a striker where we're kind of lumped with someone that isn't a good long-term prospect. And I think Clement does have that long-term view. He knows he's going to have to significantly improve the squad, the overall squad in the long term as well. So I'm trying to kind of balance my initial disappointment with kind of um, some points like that. And also that, you know, we do have in a kind of forward position Silva and we know that kind of um, Cortez as well has an eye for goal so it's not ideal but I'm not completely disappointed either. Yeah I think that that pretty much surmises where I'm at as well so um, I'm going to be honest with with people listening to this thinking we should have signed a striker no matter what I totally understand that right because I've been kind of going back and forth on it myself and I think that there is an element of it where we look back at the run to Seville, um, you know, that period having to play Joe Rivo up front whilst our striker was out in the pitch with the fans in Spain. But we we get the fact that we've... I'm not going to say we lost things, right? Because I don't mean it like that. Because, you know, someone could say, well, we ran out of the league. We didn't win in Seville, but obviously won the Scottish Cup. So there's, there's, there's swings and roundabouts to it. I understand that. But no one will ever be able to convince me Caroline, that we wouldn't have won in Seville had we had a fit striker. Um, I, I fundamentally believe that. That's the, the margins, right? So there's probably a, a legacy effect from how I feel about having Cyril Dessers as a potential, almost like a single point of failure. Because if he gets injured, then we are really down to, I mean, we're already down at the bare bones. We're going to go even further down than that. But, you know, if, if Fabio Silva is going to be the answer and play him up top and probably try and push him more into a number nine role of some guys, and that is what the manager wants to do, then I trust that process. But again, I can totally understand as to why fans are concerned about the fact that we didn't seem to be going all out to be able to try and sign a striker. 
that all being said, and like you say, I have gone back and forth with it, I did not want to pay £4 million for Lawrence Shankland. Um, we don't have money that we can throw away, and we've been victims of horrendous transfer windows. And as much as we'd love to say it, you know, we've spent good money after bad, but there's still a deficit on the on the account sheet that has to say that you have to bring these players in. You've paid them a wage, and effectively you've tried to get rid of them as soon as you can. So we're still paying for that. What I think is really interesting, and I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts on this as well, is one of the things I always had a concern about when Michael Beale took the job at Rangers was whether or not he had a conversation with Ross Wilson and openly said to him at that time, do you understand the level of rebuild that has to happen here? Do you get it? Like, do you understand what has to happen um, for upcoming windows, especially this summer, because January is a shit time to buy, but we could have a really effective summer and we're able to try and take it from there. Now we know with the benefit of hindsight that we did spend money, there was a refurb, it just didn't work because we recruited terribly and, you know, again, we're paying the aforementioned price for it. I don't believe that Michael Beale did that. I think that he was in discussions with Ross Wilson. I think he was tempted with the Rangers job and I think he took it at the drop of a hat. Now, the reason why I mentioned that process versus what we've heard from Philippe Clement about his recruitment journey with the club was that he was very interested and very ingrained about the mechanisms of the club, been able to try and understand what the board's desires were, um, where there were had been some some systemic failures within the club and what the, the board specifically were planning on doing about that. So I, I go all the way through, you know, the, the, the medical team, the academy, the recruitment process, et cetera, et cetera. And he made mention at the time, you know, the club were at that stage in the uh, process of trying to hire a, a head of recruitment. It's obviously now been head of football recruitment. But I think he, he has openly asked what the situation is there and it's been part of his uh decision making process about coming to Rangers in the in the in the in the first instance. And the reason as to why I mention all of that, Caroline, is because I think that at that stage the board will have had conversations with him to say, look, we will give you some degree of budget. You will have a strong say in terms of where that budget is spent. And you have to then you know, you'll be signing off on decisions. You, it'll be coming down to yourself. And obviously, since Philippe Clement came in, we've since recruited um, uh, ahead of football recruitment, some more work around that space, obviously the academy, etc. We know. So those pieces have came into place. What I am really keen to get your, your thoughts on is, do we think that it's been the case that Clement has more or less said, this is the areas that we really need to focus on, Cortez, Diamandi coming in, that's where we can spend money at the moment. Um, but I can get the team to work in a particular shape, in a particular way that will get what we want, which is a league title at the end of the season. Yeah, well, first of all, we're definitely kind of suffering the hangover of the Beal era. And, and it was a, a failed kind of, I don't know, it was a failed endeavour full stop but the fact that he was allowed to kind of hold the purse strings and kind of almost have a little bit of what appears to have been a scattergun approach to signings now we should never really have that happen again we should never kind of allow any manager for that to happen again so the fact that we've got Nils Coppen in place along with um, our manager 
and the board I think is, is a much better situation to start from because you will have that long-term view in addition to the short-term view and you've got a, a completely different network as well of scouts and kind of people that you can lean upon to look at who's available who might be a good fit and I think what's happened in this window as well we've definitely taken a long-term view I think in the press conference which was earlier today um the kind of pre-match one um with uh, Clement he spoke about the fact that we're definitely buying players that are right for the team but we also have that business plan in place as well so these are really young players ones which are very exciting absolutely can develop can still offer something to the squad at the moment and will play into a bigger part of the overall business plan of the club and being able to hopefully turn a decent profit with these players because we we will have a player trading model form a huge part of the club going forward I mean um that's been spoken about at length. So it makes a lot of sense for us to to do that. Some of the signings that we've had previously, it, it, they've not had that long-term view with them and it has been spending huge amounts of money where it doesn't, yeah, it didn't make sense. So yeah, I think I, I'm much more comfortable with how things have gone in this window. Like you perfectly said, Cami. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not disappointed we didn't get a striker, but hearing the manager speak about it today, and I was interested to see how he would answer that question about, you know, the striker position and, you know, the fact we didn't strengthen there. He did comment on the fact that everyone in the building had worked extremely hard. I think that conversations had been happening, you know, we had looked at bringing people in, we'd kind of done the the kind of numbers on some players and actually, we came out with what we came out with, and he's happy with the squad. Um, it will mean that a lot of other players will have to step up significantly because Dessers is not going to be able to offer the return. Although we, you know he's playing better, and you're starting to see kind of glimpses of of promise there, um, he's not going to deliver everything we need in terms of a goal. So we're going to need all of our forward players and more to start contributing on that front if we've got um, ambitions in, in each of the three competitions we're left in. Absolutely. And I think, um, and, 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 and I'm going to be honest with this, I think that this is where, for me, Caroline, the manager has to imprint the design to every single player. It's within your power now to to continue to run in a title race. And I mean that even to guys like Tav and Goldson and stuff, because yeah. they've never done it up here. We've, we won 55 at a canter with room to spare. So th- there's there's a lot there that you've mentioned, which I think echoes you know exactly what I've been thinking about, personal responsibility, personal accountability. And I think you need to be able to... to and I do trust Philippe Clement, right? I do want to be completely you know on the, on the, on the record about that because he's allowed me to trust him. He's given me the faith, right? That's what we need to be able to to see that we've missed, right? Because we didn't. And then the the, the train came off the tracks. Let's talk a little bit around... Um, I th- I'm going to go to the second signing um, that has, has obviously come in, which was Mohamed Diomandi. This was a player that obviously we have had an, a large outlay on, um, £4 million. Uh, the manager was, I think, very, very... Uh, keen to be able to try and bring him in. Um, came in with a, a, a lot of promise. Um, and for me, 
this is a good opportunity to look at where we're going to definitely have a rejigged midfield. I think the manager has absolutely highlighted that as his main focus for what we want to be able to try and achieve. Now, we've had managers previously, Stephen Gerrard, for example, very, very focused on the defence. And our defence has been excellent since Clement has come in. But it's been very interesting to me that he wants to be able to try and look at what his midfield options are, especially when you consider the um, the players who are in or around that mix. Obviously, Stephen Davis is now retired. Um, I don't think you know anyone really expected Stephen Davis to be able to try and come back and play at our level again. There's absolutely no harm in that because the guy is a club legend. Um, Ryan Jack, I don't think will be offered a new deal, um, and and you know again from an injury perspective, I think that's the right decision. John Lindstrom probably will be given a new deal because the manager very much likes him. We've had Cantwell and Raskin, who started off very brightly um, this time last year, I think through to one thing and another, have been a little bit off the boil um, since been in there. Sifuentes, I think, is going out the door. Um, and Dijon Sterling has come in. So there's loads of options that's in there. And I think that Dio Mandy comes in as someone who comes in with a lot of energy. He's very, very highly thought of in terms of, you know, really considered one of the largest prospects in Scandinavia. Um, but I think he sees him as someone who will bring in an energy, some attacking prowess, and I think being able to get that midfield leading on the front foot whenever we come into counter-attacking phases of play, etc. I, I, I am excited by this guy myself. Yeah, I think of, of the three signings that we made in that window, he's definitely the one that I think has, um, yeah, I think he has the most chance or he has the best chance I should say of of doing really well in this team in particular um we we do need some extra reinforcement in midfield and like you say in particular someone who's got that that way of bridging the gap between the midfield and the forward players who's got an eye for a pass high energy again I think he's someone who um has an eye for goal at times I think he's flexible as well, like with being able to play either in, in kind of the central midfield or on the, the right wing. So flexibility is really important with us too. The fact that um, we've got so many injuries at the moment and the fact that the amount of games we're going to have to play with also kind of keeping um, one eye or one foot in Europe and the, the two domestic competitions, we will need some flexibility in the squad. We'll need some rotation. So I think he ticks an awful lot of boxes and as I mentioned, you know, earlier as well, the only concerns I have is he's not played in, in quite a bit of time. So he's not played a game since November. I know that he's been training kind of for a longer period, um, but he will take a wee while to get up that match sharpness. I think it could be slightly different with Cortez, who is maybe closer um, to being able to feature in the team with Jumande, though. I hope that um, we can get him there quickly because we do have a busy busy February with fixtures and we've got an opportunity with the amount of home games that if he is able to um, get up to match fitness and settle it's going to be potentially the best opportunity he'll get on a really good pitch with a home crowd to kind of start to be introduced to the team and find his feet a little bit um, see what it's like playing with some of these teammates so yeah I hope that kind of aligns quite nicely because beyond that the fixtures are, are going to get a little tougher into March where we've got 
um, European games coming up again and beyond where we've got old firm looming and things. So, yeah, it would be nice if that can happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I think something, and obviously we'll come into Cortes, and I do want to talk a little bit about Silva in just a moment as well, because I think that it's going to be interesting to see what part he'll play in this as well. But I think that when you talk about these three guys coming in, albeit they didn't all you know, arrive in the same day, we know that and stuff. But one of the things that's always really interesting when you do get players who, who come in is that they sometimes provide just a natural uplift in the energy and the tempo. I, I, I do see that from Diomande. I think he will come in. As you rightly say, he's not Matt Sharp. He's obviously had some some um, some health issues and stuff as well, which has kept him out of playing. But he, he will get there because obviously he is fit enough to be able to play for us. But I think even just seeing that, being able to try and come into it, these guys, I don't ever believe, Caroline, and I'm, I'm certain that you're the same, that anyone thinks that their position is guaranteed. I'm a huge advocate of intra-squad competition. And so it just mean, it, it either maintains or raises standards, but it absolutely avoids any lowering of standards because players can then start to dial it in a wee bit because they know there's no one there who'll take the jersey off them. So I think as these guys see him in training, they see him getting up to speed, they see him coming into it, I think that some of these players will then start to take a natural uplift from that. I think that when you've got guys like John Lundstrom, who has been playing well across the course of this season, but you know you mentioned earlier on, Dessers, some of these guys will then, if they're playing well now, we can't guarantee that's going to happen to now and the end of the season. So then at least they've got someone else who can come in, take a little bit of that responsibility, give them a little bit of kind of support within there as well. And again, that just allows those players in their purple patches at the moment, that if they do have to take a wee bit of a kind of turn down of the dial, they just know that, you know, it's not going to be catastrophic to the team. So there is that element of it where you want to start raising your game a little bit because you almost feel a bit of a responsibility to the guy who's just come in. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, absolutely. And our midfield in particular we have been extremely light on options and we probably have over-relied on a couple of players. And this is just an excellent way of, of giving us a different option, 
having people really have to work for their place and work a bit harder overall, the kind of um, the kind of mentality within the squad should be improved given that there will be competition, more competition for places. Um, and also his story's absolutely lovely. The fact that, you know, as a youngster, he was wearing not just one, but what looks like two ranger strips. I mean, how cute is that? Um, and it's not the kind of usual made up story of, oh, I used to, to keep an eye on rangers results <laughs> from, you know, however many thousands of miles away. This looks like he genuinely had um, a little bit of uh, an affinity with rangers from afar, which is, is really cute. And, and seeing how his teammates in Denmark kind of spoke about him when he left there was that really nice video from what looked like a kind of meeting with the the rest of the players in the dressing room they speak so highly of him um he just seems like a really like a level-headed player a really nice guy and I think with the the move to Scotland it's not easy it's not an easy city to move to um things like that his temperament and you know other things in addition to talent I think hopefully should see him in good stead We'll stay on that um, vein of of proper talent. Um, Oscar Cortez uh, was finally announced last night after what appeared to be the kind of longest wait uh, for <laughs> players to be able to see the, the the scarf over their head as as we're used to Auck and Howie. Um, I think that deal was pretty much done and dusted pretty quickly once we managed to kind of get things over the line. Uh, but we were all awaiting with bated breath as we we're keeping one eye on the Rangers socials. And Cortez obviously was announced and confirmed, etc. Here on loan with an option, not an obligation, an option to buy in the summer. Um, I am. I'm going to be honest with you, um, Caroline. I think that this has been really interesting to be able to try and get the background story because. Um, I think it's been interesting to see. He's obviously signed from uh, from Longs, um, very highly thought of back home in Colombia, where his team Milanaros were really bringing him through their particular system. He's upgraded now from the under twenty squad for Colombia to the the, the senior team. Um, he speaks a lot about obviously the lessons that he's learned with uh, like Luis Diaz, etc. Um, he has made mention about you know wanting to play football at the highest level in Europe. Um, I've seen people actually take a little bit of kind of adverse reaction to that. I don't. I totally understand it, and the reason as to why I don't get bothered by these things is he's only going to generate moves to bigger clubs if he's successful here, and if he's successful, it means that we're successful, and that's exactly what we want. Um, I, I, my understanding is that you know playing more so on the right-hand side. There's been some chat about whether or not he could play in, on either wing, but I think for me, being able to try and play on an attacking flank that the right-hand side hasn't been fantastic for us across the course of the last couple of years. I think we know that. Um, but being able to, bring, to try and bring in a boy of his talent and his energy, I, um, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what he can do. And as you made mention there, um, a little bit ahead of um, Devan in terms of match sharpness, so I would expect to see him very soon. Yeah, I, I really hope so, at least for a small part in games. And, and what I like about this signing is there's that element of a diamond in the rough feel about it. Like he had a real promising, exciting kind of um, season or two in Colombia. It's not quite gone so well for him since kind of coming to Europe. But what I liked hearing Clement talk about was the fact that he really understands and will work on the adaptability of moving to Scotland, to Europe generally, that culture shock. 
the fact that I think Clement felt confident that he has worked through his career with Colombians before, the fact that he can also showcase to someone like a Cortez, here's who I've worked with, here's how they've progressed their careers, here's what they've gone on to do. Um, I think that will really resonate. And like you say, I, I don't have any problem with someone like a Cortez saying, I have ambitions of playing at the very top. You absolutely should do, especially at 20 years old. And if he's able to, like you say, be successful with Rangers and attract a, a team in a bigger league, I'm not going to say a bigger team because there's there's none, obviously, but a team in a bigger league um, who can pay a much better wage, he'll be able to move with my blessing so long as he gives his all while he's at Rangers and helps us be successful. He'll have completely my blessing to move on. Um, and I think Clement hopes that he can tap into that, that he can harness that, you know, that kind of flair that he's got and untap and lock his potential, basically. So looking at what he can do in the highlight reels and things, he looks really exciting. He looks that he has got, again, an eye for goal. He's got a really good, um, he's a good finisher. Um, so I think he could be exciting, but it's just a little bit more, raw I guess and a, a little bit more of a work in progress for uh, Clement potentially yeah absolutely and I, I don't see any problem with that because I think that um, we can get the most out of him um, I think that we can really give ourselves an opportunity to to allow him to, to blossom um, and we're only going to be able to do that if he features if he plays uh, across the uh, across the various campaigns that we have um, across the course of the rest of this season. So, yeah, um, I am very excited by that. And I do think that the manager's been very encouraged by that as well. Certainly know that Neil, uh, Niels Coppin, um has made mention to, um, you know, how highly sought after he was and how long that, you know, Rangers have been have been considering him. Um, the last, obviously, internal transfer or incoming transfer um, is Fabio Silva. Um this one I think is quite interesting for me, Caroline, given the, as we mentioned before, the lack of signing a striker to be able to try and come into this window. Um, there's a few things at play here. I wonder if the manager, the manager must be aware, right, that serial Dessers can, you know, at any, any point in time in the near future, pick up an oak, potentially get a, a, a longer-term injury, it could go wrong, right? So he knows that he can't purely rely on him. Silva, I think, is interesting because I have liked what I've seen from him so far in terms of his work rate. Um, I think that he drops back quite a wee bit um, to be able to try and come back and get him more involved, which, again, I've got absolutely no problem with whatsoever. So there's, there's plenty to chew on there, right, in terms of, of what we can see from him. I think when um, when I think about his performance, especially Easter Road, um, I think what I'm starting to see is probably some greater understanding and connection with his teammates. He does want to be able to try and play quick one-twos. His movement's solid. He does drag defenders out of the way and create space for other players, and we have been the beneficiaries of that, or I should say his teammates have been the beneficiaries of that. Um, and there's definitely some really strong football intelligence in there. It has taken him a little bit of while to be able to get settled in, so that's fine. We've done absolutely the correct thing, as far as I'm concerned, of not having to play him at St Mirren, you know, because I don't think it was it was required. And that game, the manager came out afterwards and said it was more about 
industry rather than having to to um, go out with all you know with flair. But all that being said and done, I'm just really really excited by the fact that it it looks like as if he's trying something different with with Silva, and I think that he's doing so in such a way that he wants to be able to just keep teams on their toes, not default to type like we've seen before, you know, doing the horseshoe, putting in cross after cross after cross. And I think once Silva starts to click and his teammates around him understand his movement and he understands theirs, I think that we'll definitely get goals out of this guy. And I think that that's what the managers got, you know, on the back burner in terms of other potential striking options. Yeah, I would agree with um, with everything you said there, Cammy. I think you can see flashes where he's maybe making a good run or making a good pass and it's not quite gelling with his teammates yet. That's just that settling period. That's just kind of um, the time it will take them on the kind of training field and with the, the game time that they get to properly tune in to one another and his teammates. And when they do... It definitely feels like there's a lot of a lot of potential with him. What we are going to need him to do is really step up with that eye for goal. Like you say, it does feel like he he kind of drops back a little bit, and perhaps that's intentional. But I really would love to see him have more of that forward looking view and have that eye for goal just a little bit more. Because I think over the course of the game, um, he'll have the opportunity himself to go for goal. Um, and I'd, I'd love to see him do that a little bit more. I, I kind of almost, when we were talking about striking options and whether or not we'd bring in another striker in the window, um, it didn't it didn't really feel at that point that I could count Silva as a proper striking option, which isn't really fair. It's just we've not seen him play in that kind of way yet. We've, we've only seen him for a limited amount of time. And like you say, it doesn't really feel that that's you know, necessarily been how he's been deployed so far. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping that after the kind of um, the initial few games, which have been quite tough coming back after the the break, we've now got some home games. Dare I say a slightly easier quote unquote run of games than what we had in January, and it's the perfect time for him to to step up a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean it's. And again, I go with that caveat, as we kind of said beforehand, players need time to be able to try and bed in. As I say, I, I think his work rate's been tremendous. I'm not suggesting for a single minute anyone listening to this thinking, well, you know, I'm saying that he's an out-and-out number nine. I don't think he is. I just think that the manager sees something a little bit different in terms of what he can bring to the party. Because, listen, Cyril Dessers is going to end up, Caroline, on over 20 goals this season. Barring an injury, barring any kind of catastrophe, he's going to end up in over 20 goals this season. He's on trajectory to do so. Now, did I think that I'd be sitting on this podcast, you know, <laughs> two months ago, saying in January, well, you know, the guy's almost invaluable to our season now? Of course not. But there's two things with that, right? First of all, we've slagged him off plenty, so I think it's perfectly fair to give him the credit where it's due, right? Because I think some of his finishes, Hibs in particular, you know, I just thought it was absolutely wonderful. That was a proper get you out your seat finish and stand and applauding at it. Um, obviously, great a, a great goal um, against St Mirren in terms of just making sure that that we got the win. Um, but at the same point as well, we have to 
you know, always have that attitude of let's hope for the best, but let's plan for the worst. And I think that the manager is going to to think about what his different potential options are within this. We're never going to get away from this idea of being able to try and take it easy across the course of the season. You, like me, will have the absolute thirst and desire that every competition Rangers are in, we go the full way. And that means a, a hectic fixture schedule that's going to happen. There is a great point to what you've made there about being able to try and get these players to be able to try and bed in because, less the next three games, obviously, Livingston and Aberdeen, Saturday, Wednesday in the league, back to Ibrox again and for the, the, the League Cup, eh, the League Cup, the Scottish Cup, I beg your pardon, against Ayr, and then back to the league with um, uh, our final home game of those four against Ross County. Um, I, I totally agree with what you've just said. Great opportunity to be able to try and bring these players in get them into Ibrox, get them into a full house, get them into uh, varying degrees of, of opposition because Livingston, you know, we'll talk about Livingston in just a moment, but a club, let's face it, without its troubles to seek. Aberdeen obviously have a bounce game tomorrow, um, but they'll be, you know, it's the World Cup final for them on Wednesday and then we're <laughs> in Scottish Cup action against Ayr and I can't remember who their manager is. But all joking aside, it is very much a case of let's use these as opportunities to be able to try and bring these players in, um, get them up to speed as much as we possibly can and and really get them uh, understanding what Scottish football and playing for the biggest team um, in the country is all about. Yeah, and to touch on what you said about Dessers there, I think it shows a lot of mental strength from him because he really has had a tough time of it and most of us had probably written him off um, at a certain stage and yet we've found ourselves in a position where we've had to rely on him again and to be fair his numbers like you alluded to have been very good and um, he's popping up with goals clearly he's even popping up with the odd assist um, he is starting to contribute and that's all we can really ask of him um, to be honest and I think like Clement always comments, it feels as though there's that connection between the fans. The fans are starting to warm to him. There is obviously still still frustrations with his game. He doesn't always um, have the best decision making. Um, He doesn't always finish. It's almost like a little bit of the Kenny Miller thing, but he's got a little bit more time to kind of think about what he's going to do. He doesn't always have the best decision making. Yet his numbers are there, and like you quite rightly said, we're going to need to ask a lot of him and rely a lot on him between now and the end of the the season. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how Clement does deploy these players, does introduce them, um, how he sets up his team, um, because a lot of these players that like we've spoken about as well can be flexible with where they play and it's going to be really interesting so I'm just delighted Cammy, that we've got games back at Ibrox so after um, coming back from the winter break and not really having much um, football to see at Ibrox it's really nice now that we've got a run of games and tomorrow um, I'm sure you can want to talk about it in more detail it's it should be on paper the easiest game that we could hope for but of course um being in the position that they are bottom of the league, it's not one to be taken completely lightly. No, and, and listen, you know, let's you're absolutely right. So I do want to talk about that in terms of it's it's always interesting whenever you see teams at the bottom of the league. I, I'm not personally a big fan of, of the split. 
uh, that obviously we have in Scotland with the last six games because I just don't ever feel that there's a real competitive edge if you're playing a team that more or less knows that it's going to finish fourth or third versus teams that are staving off relegation. Livingston are absolutely on their arse. Um, I, I've, I'm quite sad to see that because I've got a lot of time for David Martindale. I think he's a, I think he's a good man. I think he's a good manager. He's always been honest. Um, I think that when there was a rumour of him potentially taking the St. Johnson job, he stayed with Livingston because he's got an incredible personal connection to the club. And the fact that he's still in a job, Caroline, means that the club have it with him as well, but that will only last yeah. so long. But it's one of those things where he, he's, he's fighting for his life at the moment. So how much he can translate that into the players and how obviously the players respond to that when they take to the park tomorrow um, at, at three o'clock, we don't know. We should be able to try and beat them comfortably. We are in that wonderful position. And I'm not saying this, you know, as a throwaway comment, or I'm not being blasé about it, that we've come back from a winter break well, <laughs> because we haven't uh, in recent seasons. We need to be able to keep that momentum going. But um, it gives us that chance to be able to, as you rightly say, come back to Ibrox after too long a gap um, and really just make sure, because I fully expect us to to have that gap increased because um, they kick off at 12.30 tomorrow. I fully expect it. Now, don't get me wrong, if you know they pull a rabbit out of the hat and Aberdeen happen to beat Celtic, then you know I'll be cartwheeling to my seat. <laughs> However, I fully expect it not to be the case. And, um, and again, like I say, it's about being able to try and make sure that we get three points every game now. You know, it, it's so important for us to be able just to try and keep that energy up, to keep that going so that we're not in a position that we're letting the team down by... Um, by not giving it our all because we're expecting it from them. Yeah, definitely. We've got our part to play in that as well. Um, and like you said, I really like Martindale as well. I think that um, if he's no longer a manager in the SPFL, we'll have lost a big character in the league and in the game. And it'll be a shame because, um, you know, I, I don't particularly want to see Livingston go down either. Um, it'll be one ticket I'm not <laughs> going to get and through my jurors because that was the one I could always rely on at least once a season so that's the other downside um, but yeah no I, I think just everyone's looking forward to tomorrow and the opportunity to keep that pressure keep that proximity to Celtic hopefully we get that opportunity um, to close the gap to just two points when we win that game in hand and they're not happy with with their um with their window. I think there are a couple of points that I want to make. One, us retaining Butland and Yilmaz, I think, is massive. Um, they I think both attracted attention, and certainly in Butland's case, there was a concrete offer. And I think Wilson probably would have known the ballpark that he would have expected us to be tempted by. So the fact that the club completely and very swiftly just kind of um, blocked that and said there's no interest in us hopefully at almost any price in selling Butland at this stage in the season that was fantastic because I don't think we're going to score a bucket load of goals in most games um, I think it's going to be us having to take maybe the slightly fewer chances that we get and take them well so on the other end of the pitch we're going to rely as we have come to be able to do on Butland and our defence to really keep clean sheets as often as possible so that if there is just that narrow 
margin of a goal or two, it's enough for us to get those three points um, week in, week out. So it's it's a big win, I think, and we didn't really touch on it, but it's a real big win that we've been able to keep a couple of um, key players there. Because, again, in Yilmaz's case, maybe not quite so much, but um, with him getting a run in the team, um, it's been really nice to see what he could offer and his directness as well, um, almost getting kind of two goals in two games. I was at the St Mirren um, game and, you know, again, that directness, that different thing that he offers to Barisic is really refreshing. Yeah, and listen, it's a great point. Um, I actually completely forgot about the laughable bid that came in from Nottingham Forest for beautiful Jack Butland. Do you know what it was? I never actually found out what the the value was. I think someone had said that it was around, I, I heard figures around something like £10 million. And I was like, oh. £10, million, £10 million gets you a response <laughs> to your phone call. Then we can start talking about the proper money it would take for us to be able to try and have that. And listen, you're completely right in terms of, this is like the counter argument where people have said to me, well, we can't be serious about winning a league if we've not got a striker. I was like, no, no, if we sold our best player, that's when you know we're not serious about winning the league. And the fact that we never even entertain it. I, you know, I, I agree with everything you've just said. It's 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 pivotal for us. And I think also the longer reaching effects of that is we're not here to be to have the piss taken out of us. I know England see us as a as a backwater and that you can come and poach players and do all that and they've they've done it before and all the rest of it. But you know, what it does show you is we picked this guy out from the bench when he was down in your own country. We brought him up here. He's been phenomenal for us. He will win player of the season, right? He will. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. Um probably GQ man of the year. He's gonna win a whole lot right? <laughs> Hunk of the year, Hunk everything. Of the year. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but all that to one side, um we're not interested in being able to try and get get rid of players who we know will will play a huge role and have already done in terms of us being able to to win trophies this season. And uh, what's even better about it is as well as I've got every belief Jack Butland wouldn't even have entertained such a suggestion. So, like you say, come back with fifty million, maybe we'll talk. But until then, we'll think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> until then, just uh, keep your powder dry until the summer. Um, Caroline, listen, that will do us for this week on Extra. Before I go, folks, um, just want to give you a little bit of steer because if you find yourself at a loss and you happen to be down in the the big smoke Londinium uh, on the 21st of March, why not come along to the Leicester Square Theatre where you'll be able to see a whole host of heart and handers alongside a guy who you may remember under the name of Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, absolutely. We are doing a live show with Gaza um, on Thursday, the 21st of March. Um, tickets are available now on the Leicester Square Theatre website, so Leicester Square Theatre, all one word.com. Head on there, you'll be able to see it as well. Um, the great news, Caroline, about the fact that not only are we getting this opportunity to hear about one of the greatest players that's ever put on our shirt, um, is to see Gaza in such a great place. You know, we've seen him at his worst in terms of his health and all of that kind of stuff. He looks absolutely fantastic now. Really, really excited for this. Can't wait to be able to try and see him reliving all of the, the glory days he had at Ibrox. He really does look well, to be honest. And do you know what I love is that I would say probably easily 70% of Ali McCoist's repertoire when he's doing storytelling will involve Gaza. So to be able to 
now that Gaza's in a good place and he's looking well, um, to be able to hear from the horse's mouth about all his antics and also his time in Scotland, which is just, I think, probably our most iconic signing ever. Um, I can't imagine we'll ever have a signing that that's quite as incredible as that one was. Um, it's, it's yeah, an opportunity not to be missed. I'm jealous I'm not going to be there. So if you are in London, make sure to, to get along. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot tell you guys, go back and look at the videos, the amount of bleached blonde haircuts that were uh, in and around Ibrox that day is a real sight to behold. What I'm also going to guarantee as well, Caroline, just for anyone who happens to go to the show, is see if he starts talking about leaving fish in Gordon Jury's car, see if he starts talking about fireworks. <laughs> I'm literally going to say to him, McCoy's already told this story, Gaza, move on to another one. So I'll make sure that you, you do hear some fresh material. But yeah, when you hear uh, McCoy's talking about it, you can just, it, it just, you know, again, like I say, it does nothing but bring a smile to your face. Um, thank you to the executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. Thank you to our show sponsor, Zenith Coins. Please head on, uh, over to zenithcoins.com um, to get yourself an absolutely fantastic mint condition Rangers coin. These things are, are brilliant keepsakes as well. Most importantly, thank you so much to my guest this week, Miss Caroline Morrison. Yeah, thank you, Cammy. It was lovely speaking to you. Um, and if you are missing out on your Rangers fix, and as we've um, already covered, we've got loads of uh, home fixtures been able to try and come up. You'll be able to hear us with pre and post match conferences from Ibrox uh, over on our Patreon site, and that is just a snippet of the great content that you can hear every single day head on over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll be able to get all of those shows for only a couple of quid a month so please don't miss out over seven thousand subscribers and growing so please make sure that you check us out thanks everyone david will be back with you on monday in the flagship to unpack the livingston game and look forward to aberdeen i'll be back um, after the aberdeen game as well uh, as we look forward to the next round of the scottish cup too have a great weekend everyone and we'll speak to you again soon Podcast Network.